Hey church, Pastor Adam here, and I want to say thank you so much for stopping by to join us for church online today. And, and while we are super stoked that you're hanging out with us this morning, we do want to remind you that really this is just is supplemental. And man, it just cannot replace the local church in your life. And so look, we hope that you are encouraged and, and challenged and shaped by today's message that's being preached. Uh, but, but also, we don't want to be uh, your substitute. Uh, for the local church body that you should be involved in. We really do believe that the local church is God's plan A in reaching the world. So with that being said, please come hang out with us in person uh, one Sunday. If you're in Paducah in the area, come hang out with us to get some rest or find a local Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church that you can get plugged in and connected to. Uh, Jesus loves the church and, and we love Jesus and, and we believe that we can better serve uh, Jesus, if we love his church well. So, welcome to rest. Rest Church, how y'all doing this morning? Uh, if you've never been here before, I'm Pastor Isaac, and I'm the youth pastor, and my toxic trait is wearing every good hat I have to work and ruining it, hence the dirty hat this morning. Uh, but man, this morning, I was real nervous about this, but by the first song, I was frantically running around everywhere, trying to get my iPad that didn't charge last night, ready to go. And second song, I was hyped up, ready for it. And then the third song came, and I'm on the stairs bawling like a baby. And the fourth song, I'm still, I'm still losing it a little bit, but I'm coming back together. And by the end of it, I feel like it's this beautiful dance, like from a Disney movie with the Holy Spirit, where it's just like everything's in tune. And it feels good this morning. Um, I know I've seen the past few weeks a poster going around. I think it's back there on the table still if like for the pastor appreciation thing. But I think all four of the guys would agree that we are nothing without everyone who's back here serving, everyone who's in the booth serving, all the band. I mean, we are nothing. You are the glue that holds this church together and the oil that keeps the machine running. Uh, so thank you all for that. Yeah, give it up for them. So this past week, or this past week, the past few few weeks, we've been going through Jonah, right? So I'm going to give you a high-speed recap of what's been going on. Um, it'll go kind of quick, so bear with me. Jonah 1, this is what happens. Jonah gets a calling from God to go to the people of Nineveh to call out against their evil that has come before God. Jonah instead says, no thanks, I'm not doing that. I don't even like those people. And he bounces right off to Tarshish on a boat. Once he gets on this boat... Things are a little haywire, right? The ship's about to break apart. The storms are raging. And meanwhile, Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the boat. So they come and wake him up, and they're like, are you crazy, man? Like, do you see what's going on out here? We see the same thing happen with Jesus in the Gospels. Um, and it's this crazy thing. And he gets woke up, and they go, who's God? Who's your God? Like, who do you serve, Right? So he tells them that I serve the God of heaven that made the dry land and the seas. And he says that if you just throw me over, everything will be good. You don't have to worry about it. So they cast lots, which is like rolling dice to see who it is, whose fault it is that all this is happening. And sure enough, it lands on Jonah. So he tells them again, throw me over and everything will be solved. But they go, no, we don't want to murder a man, which is a good thing to do, right? I mean, that's all. We can all go, hey, good guys. But they don't want to murder this guy. So they wait a little longer. The lights get casted. It's on him again. And he goes, okay, throw me off. They throw him off. And they're like, God, don't let this blood be on our hands. 
And this is my favorite part because they completely turn it around. Just like we're going to learn about today with Nineveh, they turn it around and they start worshiping God and offering sacrifices. And that's my favorite part of Jonah because it proves to us that God does not need us, right? He doesn't need me. He doesn't need Adam. He doesn't need Cody. He doesn't need John. He doesn't need Johan. He doesn't need any of the pastor team. He doesn't need any of the TVs, lights, bands. He doesn't need it. Even out of our disobedience, when we don't mean to, God still uses us. And that's a beautiful thing. God doesn't need you. He wants you, which is even better, right? Because, you know, your wife, she needs you for some things like killing spiders or, or catching mice. But other things, she wants you and only you, you know? And that's a beautiful picture to be wanted. It feels good to be wanted. And this morning, I believe that God wants you. He is chasing after you and he is wildly pursuing you. And today could be your day. Who knows? Maybe day could be the day for you to give your life to Christ. Anyways, that's the pre-sermon before the sermon. But uh, into Jonah 1, he's swallowed by a well that God appointed. Uh, Jonah chapter 2 is Jonah crying out to the Lord in his lowest moment. He's praying like we all do, right? Whenever things get tough, that's when we go, oh, yeah, I should probably pray again. It's been a minute. Um, so once he gets done praying, fish spits him up, and he's vomited back onto the shore. And that leads us to Jonah 3. And Jonah just got told again, hey, go tell the town of Nineveh what's up. Their evil has come against them in the sight of the Lord. So this time he decides to go, and that's where Pastor Cody left us off last week. Uh, So we're going to pray, and we're going to get right into the scripture, okay? God, we just thank you for this day. Uh, God, we thank you for using imperfect people to portray your perfect picture of love. God, we just pray that hearts will be open today. And in Jesus' name, I believe they will be open and that someone will receive your love this morning and that others will come crawling back to you going, God, why was I so foolish? Just like the king of Nineveh. God, we just pray that you're in this room and we know you are because, man, you can feel it in worship. And it's in your name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna read this. If you're ready to learn about the Lord this morning, I'm going to need two good claps and a Ric Flair. All right, all right. A little out of sync, but I like it. No big deal. We can go with that. Verse 5 is where we're picking up today in chapter 3. And it starts like this. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor flocks taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and return from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So Nineveh gets this news last week that you got 40 days to get your crap together because your judgment's coming, which is also true for all of us. It's not necessarily 40 days. We don't really know the time, but judgment is definitely coming for every one of us. And it's crazy because they're getting this message from a dude who has been swallowed by a fish, okay? I don't know if you've ever been fishing before or taken a fish off the hook, but 
You can smell it on your hands for a few hours. My dad always made me rub mustard on my hand, and I was like, this seems unnecessary. I feel like Don would do just fine. But, I mean, he didn't just touch a fish. He wasn't like petting a whale. He was inside of this thing. So he's in there with its guts and all the nastiness and all the other dead fish that are swimming in with him. Like, it's not a pretty picture. This dude stinks. I mean, if you bought tuna scented cologne, I don't think you could smell as bad as Jonah did. Okay? And they're getting this message from this guy of, hey, 40 days and uh, time's up. You know, you're, you're done. But it says that everyone chose to believe Jonah. Everyone from the, from the greatest to the least, right? Because the funny thing about when judgment's coming is that it doesn't matter who you are. You kind of start to get your crap together. Like when you were in school and the last few semesters were like, oh, if you don't do this, you're not graduating. You kind of kicked it in gear and were like, oh yeah, I better guess do my homework because I really didn't do it all year. But he doesn't care if you're Donald Trump or Joe Biden. He doesn't care if you got money on money on money. He doesn't care if you got butlers. He doesn't care if you're some guy on the street selling drugs. He doesn't care. Judgment's coming for everyone, right? And that's what Jonah sent to us was this message of doom, right? Your day's coming. And I got bad news, church, first. Our day of doom's coming. If we don't know the Lord, hell is inevitable, right? Can I get a shamalahamala, Cody? Give me a shamalahamala. Inside joke, don't worry, I don't get it either. Uh, (laughs) But at the end of the day, we all have this decision to follow Jesus, right? Are you good? You gonna make it? All right, he's good. Somebody get him some milk. Uh, Verse six. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. So when the news reaches the king, he responds in a weird way, right? He gets naked and puts on other clothes. Like, what does that help? But here's, here's the significance of it. He trades in his robe for these funeral clothes, which is what a sackcloth is. If you don't know what a sackcloth is, don't worry, I didn't either until this week. Uh, basically a burlap sack, essentially. It's really itchy, not fun from what I read. Um, but he puts this in, and it's this way of publicly mourning, Right? So he's publicly going, hey, I've messed up, and I'm in this sackcloth, right? He has this deep remorse for what he's done and maybe what he's even allowed in his kingdom. He's let the people of Nineveh become this ugly mix of, like, if we took Chicago and Las Vegas and made a little baby out of them, like, it's this perfect little, like, sin city slash murder capital going on. It's not good. It's not somewhere you want to be. You're not taking a family vacation to Nineveh. Uh, there's murder, there's stealing. People are participating in sexual acts that are frowned upon by Lord, all right? Um, but what kind of leader would he be if he just sat there and said, yeah, not my problem. I'm not dealing, I'm not doing with this. I'm not, I'm not putting on these ugly clothes, this uh, monkey suit, as I always call my tuck. I hate those things. Uh, but he says, I'm, I'm, what if he says, I'm not putting that on? Like, and he just lets his whole town, his whole city down. James 5.16 says this. We're still called to repent publicly today and confess our sins. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great powers as it is working. So even today, we're still supposed to go 
hey, Nathan, I messed up, and I'm telling you this because sin has this way of if you don't get it out, you just live in it, right? If you don't ever confess, you don't go, hey, I messed up, um, and it kind of eats you alive, right? It's kind of like a mushroom. It grows, grows better in the dark, okay? So the, the more you leave it in the dark, the bigger and worse it gets and the more it consumes you, which is never a good thing because you're sneaking around and doing these things that you shouldn't be doing and nobody knows, and it becomes like you have to try to sin. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever it may be, whether it's pornography or, uh, I don't know, alcoholism, whatever it is, it may be anything from that matter, but when you're sneaking around hiding, it becomes work to then do these things, and that's when it's reached this point where it's kind of eating you alive. Like, your whole world is wrapped around, I got to get this drink at the end of the day. I'm calling in early and going, hey, uh, one o'clock, I'm feeling bad, I gotta go home. And really you're not, you're just craving for a drinking. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a good thing. So we gotta get our sins out in the open. But the most ironic part about this story is that we have this prophet, Jonah, right? Who hears from God and goes, nah, I'm not doing that. You might actually save those people and I will be no part of that, God. Have you looked at them? I mean, they're crazy. They're killing people and doing all this crazy stuff. I, I don't want any part of that. But the king, who's a non-believer, and he believes in this fish god, like, what kind of, if you're choosing gods, okay, why a fish god? Like, fish isn't even that great, I, I beg to argue. Like, shrimp is about it for me, and I'm not eating anything else past that. But this king does a complete 180, and he's traded in this robe for his funeral clothes, and he's traded in the throne for a floor. He's laying in ashes, which is also just a sign of mourning. And it leads us to verse 7. He said, And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. It says here that not only he participates in this, but he makes this like law that, hey, you're participating in this. You know what I'm saying? Or else there's consequences to it, apparently. Because, I mean, every law has a consequence, right? Um, but he has said that nobody is eating. Nobody is drinking. Not even the animals. The significance of the, of the fast here is that whenever you're hungry, you have to rely on something else to kind of get you through the day. I don't know if you've ever fasted before or just been hangry, because I've been there a bunch. Like, if you're not talking to me about what's for dinner tonight and I'm in that mood, like, don't, don't even talk to me. It's just, just keep walking. That's like the only reoccurring argument me and my wife have, like over and over again, what's for dinner. Well, I, I, all the guys said, mm-hmm, and they don't care, you know? I, I don't care either. And I'll go, oh, I don't care. And she'll go, oh, what about Burger King? I'm like, oh, really, Burger King? Come on, we can go anywhere and you're gonna pick Burger King? Like, it's, a, it's the only thing in our, in our marriage that is like, a reoccurring over and over and over again. And not picking up my socks, but you know, that is what it is. <laughs> but with fasting, when you're hungry, you become reliant on something outside of you. Some outside force. And when it's a spiritual fast, like the Nineveh people were doing, they are they're going, God, we're leaning into you for our strength. Because our food and our water isn't coming in, so you're all we got. But why the animals? I mean, why would you starve your food source that if you're being good and God says, okay, you know what, I won't kill you, and all your animals are dead, then what? You're hungry for another 40 days because you can't have a cow? Like, 
But what they're doing is they're risking it all. They're saying, God, we're all in. Even if we come out on the other side of this with nothing, even if we come out on the other side of this hungrier than when we started this journey, he said, we're giving it all to you. The animals, ourselves, everything. Verse 8 says this, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence at his hand. This is going to be a quick sermon, guys. I just looked at the time. You're welcome, is there, I guess is what I can say. <laughs> hey, but God can change a heart in 15 minutes just like he can 30, okay? Uh, these people are known for this way of life. This is what they do, and they've completely 180'd and changed it all, right? Like, if you turned on the news today and you turned on the Nineveh Nightly News, I'm sure they wouldn't look much different. I mean, if we're being honest, right? I mean, stealing, killing, sexing, lying, <laughs> whatever it is. This may be my last time preaching, but I'm going out with a bang, folks. They gave me one thing I couldn't say. But they're doing all this stuff that if you look around, I mean, hello, Nineveh. Welcome to Nineveh. Population, some 8 billion. It's just bigger and probably just as accepted, if we're being honest, in our local communities today. But they're all of a sudden, they're, they're no longer interested in these habits. And maybe it's not that they're going, oh, I'm not interested anymore. Because, I mean, you don't just turn from that life and go, oh, yeah, um, I could not go for a drink today. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's also like this discipline, right? And that is so hard, as you can tell. I mean, 300 pounds, bro. I mean... It's hard. Discipline is tough. And Hebrews 12, 11 says this. I forgot to tell you to put this in there, but whatever. Uh, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteous to those who have trained by it. Even if it's not this picture of, oh, we're just not interested anymore. We're completely different. You know, I don't think that really happened. If they go, no, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. They probably still, they, I mean, have you ever seen a serial killer? They have that thrill when they kill somebody. Like, I'm sure it wasn't like, oh, we're just done with this. You know, we got to, they wanted it, I'm sure, but they wanted God more. And they valued their lives more than they valued taking other people's lives. They've cut out everything that once gave them joy. And they've put on their funeral clothes to mourn. And they're starving. They're starving themselves. They're fasting. They're in this fast and they're going, God. Save us. And, and their animals are starving and thirsty. I mean, what is there to live for if we're not snacking? You know what I'm saying? I just, it's crazy to me the discipline that these people had to completely turn it around. We go from this uh, Sin City, murder capital, Los Cago type deal to we're completely changed. And I don't, I'm not, a firm, I'm a firm believer that that could happen in our town today, if everyone would just go, hey, we're not interested in these things anymore. Even if we are, we're going to have the discipline to go, hey, that's not how I'm going to live. But why are they doing all this? Why? Verse 9 says this. Band, you can go ahead and come up. 
So this is about it. Like I said, short sermon today. Y'all welcome. Um, verse 9 says this. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. They're risking everything for a who knows. For a maybe. Maybe, just maybe. We might come on the other side of this hungry, but we'll be alive. And we got this new God to worship who's the real deal, right? Even after everything they've done, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert for next week. Sorry, guys. Um, God changes his mind, and he lets these people live. I mean, how crazy is that? It goes from the story of uh, Jonah not wanting to go to Jonah not going, people being saved on a boat that was no part of him because he didn't even want to go, so he was fleeing from what he was supposed to be doing. And it's like this picture of beauty, really. It's like even in our disobedience, God uses us without us knowing Man, to be a part of that is a beautiful thing. I can't help but feel like Jonah sometimes. I don't always do the right thing. I don't always... I'm not the picture of what you want to be as a Christian, I guess I would say, because there's always better dudes than me, Jesus being one. And there's all kinds of guys in this faith who have far surpassed me. But God still says, man, you can do it. You can get up here and preach. Even if it's not pretty. Even if it's 15 minutes short. Like, you can still do it. Because it's, it's me speaking through you first off. And that's the whole message is grace and forgiveness and love, right? My main point this morning was who knows? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus, who knows? Maybe today's your day. Maybe a heart that's ready and open to receive Christ would receive it this morning. Who knows? Maybe your life would be changed forever this morning. Maybe you won't be interested in those things. Maybe you'll be disciplined and you'll stick to it and go, yeah, even through the hard times, I'm going to serve God and worship God. Judgment's coming for all of us. And if you don't know Jesus, here's the message of doom. It's hell. And unfortunately, that's what 16-year-old Isaac needed, was the message of doom. For some reason, it wasn't ever the message of love and grace and this great dude Jesus that really did it for me. It was Isaac didn't want to go to hell at 16. Didn't sound like fun. Later on, I came to realize that the love of Jesus is far more important and better than not going to hell. Just having them with you every day. But if that's you this morning, maybe you're not too far gone. I don't believe you are. There's way worse dudes in this book we're reading out of this morning than you. There was murderers, drunks, all kinds of people who were, were bad people and God used them. God changed him. I mean, David murdered a man because he slept with his wife. He was like, ah, oh, I can't have him finding out. Let's get him murdered on the battlefront. But God still used him. So if that's you this morning, on the count of three, I just want you to step out in faith. And I, 
I just want you to step out in faith and say, raise your hand and go, yeah, that's me. I want to be saved this morning. One, you're not too far gone. Two, today is your day. Three, if that's you, put your hand up this morning. All right. To the Christian in the room, don't miss your calling. You can look up now. You don't have to keep your head down. If you want to look up, you can. Uh, to every Christian, don't miss your calling. This could be it today. God could be calling you. He could be saying, who knows, maybe you're being called to do mission work. Who knows, maybe it's be a foster parent or adopt a child, right? That's a, that's a beautiful gift, right? Because you get to take these kids and change their life who normally wouldn't have a life as great as they get, you know? Maybe you're being called to lead somewhere this morning. Whatever it may be, don't miss out on it this morning. As the band sings this last song, I really want y'all to be thinking about what God's calling you to because we all have a calling on our life. We all have a job to do as Christians. And it may just be cleaning the toilet for the church and that is a job that is necessary and they're doing great work, man. Like, it's for the kingdom. And if I'm cleaning toilets, I'm going to do it with a smile if I'm doing it for Jesus. But the calling you have on your life, whether you disobey it or obey it, I promise you this. God will use you without your knowing or with your knowing to save people through you. You will deliver the message to someone that Jesus will then save, and it's a beautiful picture. Don't ignore your calling. We're going to pray, and we will uh, sing this last song. God, we thank you for this morning. We just pray that lives in this room will be changed. That people who are far from you would come running back to you. God, you're, you're a life changer, and that's what you do. You change lives, and you save people who need it. Even when we're not worthy of it, you step in. God, we pray that if someone in this morning isn't saved, that through this song, their heart will be worked on and they know that they can come down here and talk to us. God, they, they would just change their life over this morning. In your name we pray, amen.